This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. America's fastest-growing TV brand, TCL, brings you Mackie and Judd. You really wouldn't know who I am unless you're around me every day. And for the most part, that's why I don't worry too much about um, what everybody says. If you know me, if you're around me, you know my heart, and you know um, how I go about what I go about. I love my teammates. Um, I don't think there's too many of them that tell you that I'm a bad teammate, but um, I mean, people get whatever they want to say out. It is what it is, but I think I'm a, I think that I'm an incredible human being, teammate, and um, I'll show that to the guys that are here. And right now, you're very confused because it's 5 o'clock on a Tuesday and you're thinking. Football! Football, yeah! Football! And yes, Collar and Courtney Cronin are both here. But Courtney Cronin, you you responded to a tweet of mine today when I tweeted out the Butler Welcome to Philadelphia press conference. Explain what you tweeted back at me so that we can uh, talk about the direction in which this conversation is going to go. And I have, I've been looking forward to this all day long because I love this discussion. Well, I just... It's so interesting because I wanted to dedicate a segment to this during the football hour because I was so... I mean, I hope one day I can think of as highly of myself as Jimmy Butler does when he's walking for cereal in the kitchen or doing some <laughs> other mundane task because I have I was just kind of blown away by hearing just this bloviating coming out of his mouth. I'm a great teammate. I, you know, I wrote the Magna Carta. You know, what else is next? What else is he going to say? I mean, it's just and of course, it's here today, gone tomorrow. It's that type of culture with the NBA and that the the Timberwolves will move on with their lives, the Philadelphia 76ers and a guy who likes to play iso ball on a team that doesn't play iso ball, they will move on with theirs. So I was just baffled, though, of just he just he's really continuing this whole shtick of, wow, this was never my fault. Nothing has ever been my fault. And uh, I'm delusional. So the segment that I wanted to talk about here with the three of us are the most delusional and or arrogant and or both athletes or coaches that we've covered. Just like to point out the yes. um, John King of England, along with um, Stephen Langton. Okay, the enough. Arch- yes, Hold I on. know that they actually the wrote The Archbishop of Canterbury was, uh, those were the authors of the Magna Carta. Not but, Jimmy Butler? Check no, his Wikipedia no, page. I believe he wrote no, it. No, I was no he thinks he wrote there. it, though. I thought it was Jay-Z. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Manny. For I needed that right now. I thought it was I don't need, over. I don't need I this smart Alec yeah, comment. Smart Alec. Can I say, can you're, I, you're smart. Smart ass. Can I Go say ahead, smart say ass smart on ass, the yeah. end? I need smart ass talk smart ass. from across that, from me. It's after 5 o'clock. I think that you were shorting the Archbishop of Canterbury, and that I don't like that. I didn't know he was a close personal friend of yours, well, but... This kind of sounds like some athletes that I've covered um, just, you know, c- coming back at me with things like this. So to your question, I, I wonder, like, what your qualifications are to get on this list of the athletes that have sort of been, what, the most full of themselves or just most obnoxious, aloof? What are we looking for I, here? I wrote down the word delusional. delusional. That's delusional. I, think okay. it's, I think it's Judd delusional. Threw that out, and that's where we're going off here. So anybody who's really... 
If you'd like me to start, I'm happy to do it. But okay. Well, I have. Oh, I have one. Okay. Uh, go just for when it. you when you first say this is Mario Williams when he signed with the Buffalo Bills. Remember, he was the top draft pick, picked over Reggie Bush, and always pretty good with the Houston Texans, but never like is quite a big of a star as they expected him to be. So he signs this huge contract with the Bills. And after the first game, he played pretty poorly. I believe it was like against the Jets. And he came out to the media with a written statement about how he was being held all day. And that's why he didn't get any sacks. And I was like, oh boy, this is going to be a trip with Mario Williams. And it was. I mean, I don't know if delusional is quite it, but it was just always something bizarre and dramatic with Mario. Including including a strange controversy involving an engagement ring with a girlfriend where there was, I think, ultimately some sort of lawsuit between the girlfriend and him with him trying to get his engagement ring back. And it was just like... What and it ended with him throwing Rex Ryan under the bus for using him in zone blitzes and dropping him back into coverage too much. Mario Williams is Mario Williams. Sorry, okay. Courtney, because because well, you sent me like I, I have a few fifteen. <laughs> okay, try someone that people have heard of. Aaron, like, okay, no one's heard of Aaron Lynch. Who's that? Yes, people have heard of Aaron Lynch. No way. Are you not game planning okay. for the Chicago Bears? This it's five oh six. Stop fighting, you two. Okay, right. that's fair. Letter of Aaron Lynch. He just he would just fined twenty thousand dollars for the for this past weekend, so I think people would have heard of him by now. But anyways, when I covered the 49ers in two thousand sixteen, they got off to a one and six start and then eventually ended up winning two games that season. A lot of controversy, Colin Kaepernick. I mean, it was really the whole gamut out there. Mm-hmm. But the most one of the moments that sticks out to me the most, we were interviewing Aaron Lynch, he was back for two games at this point because he had been suspended for violating the league's substance abuse policy. I believe there was a diluted sample um, when he got a random drug test. Uh, So missed the first four games. He's back two games. So he's already making these insane statements like he did after they they start out one and six says, I think we're the best team in our division. I do remember this quote. And I just remember, I think I I remember, don't quote me on this part, but there were some other outlandish statements of like, maybe they're not that far off from a Super Bowl. That came, I want to say that came four or five games later, maybe like week eight or week nine. But just these proclamations that you have to look at and be like, you're playing with me, right? Like, this is not, this is not a real conversation. You know, you know how bad you guys are. You know, you're at rock bottom and that the rebuild is going to take a very long time and Quite honestly, you're not going to be around here for it. But he said that with a straight face. I went back today, Judd, and I watched the video of it. And I had a hard time keeping my composure just because I remember being there in that moment being like, oh, my God, this is real. Delusional. That is delusional. That qualifies. So that, I mean, that's like definition delusional, saying that we're the best team in the division at one and six. Although it, it. was he messing with you? Like, no. Did you get that? He no. actually thought that? This was serious. No, athletes, it's it's remarkable sometimes. Okay. And I think a lot of it, too, is that motivation stuff that they say works. Oh, yeah, that, sure. uh, Maybe it was that, but I just, I, when I watched it back today, I'm like, this guy really believes what he's selling. And I, and I just... Jimmy Butler 1,000% believes what he's saying. Absolutely. He's nuts, but he believes it. Okay, I, th- I That's think... That's not a joke. I think that Laquan Treadwell might fall under this a little bit. Okay. Because of a sort of lack of understanding of where he is. Mm -hmm. Because he gets here and he's inactive and doesn't play. And then he finally gets his first catch at Detroit. What a route it was. That was his only catch of 2016. First down, by the way. Uh, And then after the game, he's talking about how 
Like this is going to springboard him and this is just like a huge moment for his career and all, all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's one catch. I mean, Stefan Diggs had surpassed that by the second quarter. I mean, right? right. I, I'm pretty sure that like the backup fullback, whoever it was in 2016, had more catches than him or whatever. We would go, oh, Sam Bradford tied him. That was right. Because Sam Bradford had a ball batted up in the air and he caught it and tied Laquan Treadwell for catches. And then the next training camp was all, guys, I've figured out routes. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I've become a technician. Well, he he said he technician. didn't understand a route tree. He admitted that going into that second year. Right. I, I didn't <laughs> understand routes. And so now I've learned how to win all of my routes. And then he makes 20 catches. Mm-hmm. And then this year, it's actually, it was Case Keenum's fault. It was Case Keenum. It was, remember, because he had that comment about how, like, Kirk actually understands receivers or something, some nonsense like that. <laughs> and, and and then we get here, and it's the same old story now, with the Quan. Do you think he's blowing smoke and and is trying to convince himself? Because the, diff, the, the slight difference is guys like Butler absolutely believe every word that, that they say. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler thinks... That he knows how to win. And he absolutely doesn't. He's got no clue. But he thinks he does. And that's why, and to to Courtney's point, that's why it's never his fault. Like, this is Tibbs' fault. This is Wiggins' fault. This is Kat's fault. It's Hoiberg's fault. It's never, it never comes back on him, despite the fact that that you look at the dude and say, you really have no clue here. What makes him interesting is... You're good, but you have no clue. There are shreds of truth in what he says, because he is such a hard player. I, I, I mean, when you talk about guys who are winners, you talk about playing defense all the time and putting in all the effort and playing when you're hurt like he did in the playoffs last year. I mean, you have to kind of separate the things that he says and some of the aloofness. It's a, a little bit like... Um, I don't know. I mean, Manny's brought up Terrell Owens before, and, and I, I he's like, a wide receiver. I, he's a little he like a wide, a wide receiver, receiver right? He is. I, I mean, I, that's he's like that kind of guy where you, what he's saying is kind of goofy or doesn't connect quite with reality, but he does try. I mean, he does put in a ton of effort from night to night, and I would look at him as a winning type player. He's never had a situation where he had Kevin Durant play with him or Draymond Green or Steph Curry, so he doesn't have a championship, but it does annoy me in basketball sometimes and in all sports where we look at a guy and go, well, you don't have a championship. Terrell Owens doesn't have a championship, so he he's not that great. Like, well, okay. It's not his fault that Donovan McNabb was thrown up on the field on the final drive there, and they took all that time. You know what I mean? Sure, same, but listen, same to, thing goes for Jimmy. But Jimmy Butler said, "I'm a fantastic human being." Right, if right, you right. have to say you're, it. It's you're, not you're true. Of, like, and, and who says that? You have that? to look at yourself in the mirror every single day yes. and say, "I'm happy." You're not happy, and this is very much the same type of thing here. If you have to say it to believe it. To believe your own BS in hopes that everybody else will, uh, this is not going to be, in my opinion, this is foreshadowing a very long few years in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Butler better be careful because he could eventually, if he keeps this sort of thing up, he could fall down into the Dwight Howard territory where he gets into further into his 30s and he's bouncing from team to team to team because they don't want to put up with his crap. Because yeah. that's, that's where Dwight Howard was top three top four player yeah. in the league at one point and an elite level yep. player in the league. And that's where Vikings fans have to understand that they are absolutely blessed. Thielen and Diggs are normal. Mm-hmm. Those, guys are. Are, those guys aren't ever normal. Like to have two guys that play off each other and completely get it, that's not the norm at that position. The guy for, for me that falls in, into the you're absolutely delusional and, and bleeped in the mind, Bernard Berrien. 
Wasn't terrible player, but he believed everything he said. And I looked at him like, dude, you don't even like football. So now here's a question. With Kirk Cousins, last week we played that comment from him about the fumbles and all that sort of thing. Would we put him under the category of being delusional when he convinces himself that his fumbles aren't his fault and that him leading the league in fumbles over the last four years, a pretty big sample, is because of some magical force that all these other quarterbacks aren't fumbling, but he is, but it must not be his fault. And the analytics guy told him that, right? I mean, doesn't that kind of fall into that category? You know what? Let's come back and discuss that because you very well might be right about that. But first it's time to talk to my good friend, Mr. Money Talk. Becky and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's tech traffic here on the TCL Broadcast Studios, 35W northbound. We've got a crash in New Brighton between 694 and Ramsey County Road 96. That's causing a nine-minute delay, so be careful out there, folks. All right, Mackie and Judd, football hour in progress. Zolgad, Collar, Cronin, and Hill. Um, Purple Live comes your way with Matthew and Courtney at 6 p.m. Okay, Collar, let's go back to your point about Kirk Cousins and um, the very interesting quote that we heard last week as he was going to spend a bye week having someone dissect why he's fumbling. I, you know, I didn't really think of it then as being delusional. I just thought of it as sort of being par for the course with the way Cousins talks about his own mistakes, yep. where there's always some convoluted explanation for it and somehow that doesn't seem to come back on him very often. And now it sort of comes to me that we're talking about delusional players that I think he really doesn't believe that any of these things are his fault. And I think that that's why it's so hard for him to stand up there at a podium and say, like, yeah, I shouldn't throw that ball that was picked off. Even though it was, you know, Stephon Diggs shouldn't have stopped on the route, I shouldn't be winging it without being able to even see where my wide receiver is. Or, you know what? Yeah, maybe Riley Reef got beat by that guy's right arm, but I could have stepped up in the pocket or something. Sure. There's never that with him. And I, I wonder if he really doesn't believe those things are his fault. And that's sort of an adjustment that his teammates have to make from quarterbacks in the past. Even Sam Bradford would take responsibility, and especially Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater. Those were guys that would never throw teammates under the bus or never even insinuate that their teammates had done something wrong. And with Kirk, that's almost always the case. So I, I'm starting to get the impression that that's just like who he is, that he he goes home and thinks, no, 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 I, that's not that's not what I did wrong. Like that, That's not on me. That's on him, so I'm not going to say that it was on me. And there's a difference, I think, because we see it all over sports of coaches, athletes kind of, you know, reading between the lines with their comments and throwing guys under the bus. That's one thing. But the self-awareness aspect here, I mean, it's something that's kind of followed him from Washington. We heard about that coming out of the locker room that he didn't have, you know, there were certain elements of him as a leader that came into question. And whether you want to believe it or not, if you're a Vikings fan, there's multiple instances, I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire in a lot of cases. And I think that that stuff is stuff that the Vikings knew. But, you know, we're seeing it here, um, as as Matt said, just, you know, there have been quarterbacks before. I mean, how many things did Case Keenum, would he take blame for last year that really weren't his fault? I mean, but he was the easy target because his head coach is probably going to throw him under the bus for it anyways. And you never and heard him say, no. oh, the O-line is struggling. And they yeah. did in the second half of the season when they had injuries. And I think that that's something that, 
you know, if you are going to be a franchise quarterback here, that's you've got to develop a little bit better. Of, I mean, everybody goes to that's their leadership. Favre, though, str- you know, Favre did the same thing. Did Percy run the wrong route? Maybe. I mean, he would get yeah. up there in those long, convoluted, run-on paragraph after paragraph. Brett, how did pick number three happen today? He would give you the same thing. You know, did Phil miss his block? Well, yeah, he did. But, I mean, maybe I shouldn't have thrown that ball. But, I mean, I got to take a chance. That's a very far-like thing. I think you find quarterbacks who get accountability and and swallow the bullet. And even if they didn't screw up, take the blame. And then you get guys who basically think to themselves, I played really well today. And they don't see it. And they struggle to see it. I think it's a huge deal that this team has Thielen and Diggs, as you brought up, because those two are the most well-grounded wide receivers that have ever existed. For star players? Right. Never seen receivers like this. For stars. And the way that they even talk about each other is incredible. I mean, uh, Courtney and I have both done different articles about it, their relationship together and, and how they push each other and help each other and how... I mean, think about like Le'Veon Bell right now and then look at Adam Thielen's situation. Adam Thielen should have held out this year. He absolutely should have. He should have said, pay me. I had 91 catches last year. Are you crazy? I am not showing up. And yet he's, he hasn't said a peep. He's leading the NFL in receiving. Hasn't said a word. The contract hasn't come up at all. And I'm sure that his agent will address it in the offseason, but he doesn't want anything out there about it. It's so Unique and Diggs got paid and D- and right and then he sits there and watches right his him. best buddy get paid and yep. still has nothing to say about it. That is extremely unique for I mean I think for anybody who would who would want to get paid there, but especially that position and to have that it sort of counteracts any sort of lack of leadership or frustrations that come from him. The two guys who are really operating this offense and have for now a couple years. They don't. They don't act like that, and they're the ones who want to take accountability for everything. To the point where Zimmer told Stefan Diggs, "Stop doing that. Stop taking the blame so often." Which, which I think he did because he knows that that Diggs did that to such a degree that it mm-hmm. reflected poorly on the quarterback. Do you think? I though, really believe that. As it comes to, we're talking about the whole subject here was just the delusional comments from Jimmy Butler, and then in the wide range here, we're talking about. Leadership. Mm-hmm. So, in, in I, I just I don't know if the two are completely corollary to each other. That if if A then B. If you have one, then you have the other. Because, like we were talking about seeing on Sports Center a few minutes ago about how Draymond Green suspended tonight without pay because of you know the whole thing that happened in the overtime and, and going at it with Kevin Durant. I covered him. I saw the. Polar, you know, for going from one end of the spectrum to the other, where the guy's leading the league in text and acts like there's nothing, no part of him. The refs are out to get me. Well, Draymond, you're screaming four letter words in their face and flexing after you dunk and just, you know, doing stuff like that. And hitting people in the lower yes, area. Yes, the Stephen Adams thing. <laughs> oh, and who then, doesn't do that, And Manny? LeBron James, you can't tell me that that's not a, you know, coincidence, a coincidence in his head that they both just happen to happen. But then other stuff where he'll go completely the opposite way and take blame for things that were nowhere near his fault because he wants to be a good teammate. So it's delusion at both ends. Correct. Um, but that doesn't necessarily, I don't think, make him a bad teammate or bad leader. Do you agree? Um, I think the problem with guys like that and and they can not make this admission to themselves is they think they get it and they don't. Jimmy Butler truly believes, listen, he's a very good player and he works his butt off. And I appreciate that because there's a lot of guys with talent that don't. So I appreciate that. 
But Jimmy Butler really believes that he he has a formula to win when he doesn't yet. And I don't think he's got a clue yet. So so if Jimmy Butler's in, in the right environment, as as Draymond has been, I, I guess, in recent years, then he's got a chance to win. But I think Butler goes from like the Bulls to the Wolves to the Sixers, and he's going to walk in there like, I know what I'm doing, fellas. I got it. And he doesn't. And, and so... I think there's a level of of humility that needs to exist, at least a self-awareness that guys like that just don't have, and it ultimately costs them because they're not a LeBron James type. They're not that player. And and I would say the same thing for Cousins, that I don't think he'll ever acknowledge or understand what the criticism has been from people. I mean, Anthony Barr told us that when he first got there, they thought he was phony and fake. And well, he, no, I mean, to the to the degree of that, that was for the pregame speech that he thought, you know, hey, like you listen to it at first, like this is phony. Then he then he doubled back on that and said, oh, then you oh, realize, yeah, of course, now you know it's real. The fact that he even said those words oh, was sure. pretty stunning. Like you would never say those no, words yeah. about anybody who didn't have that sort of thing around them. And but you could explain to him a million times over, just like with Jimmy, you could explain to him, well, this is why, because you wouldn't take responsibility for a fumble when the ball's in your hands and Reef was actually doing his job and you should have just stepped up in pocket. And then even if it is Reef's fault, he's a captain and he's tough and he's the guy everyone respects. Like you could go and through you this a million times. And you never blame your old line. And, and right. Don't if blame your left tackle. If your quarterback, don't go there. But especially Life him. Advice. Especially him. Well, like, I, mean, I mean, you've seen it too where... You know, Zimmer, especially with the, it's just to Judd's point with the O-line, I mean, that's all the stuff that they've been through this year. That's the one group that Zimmer will not touch. He will always go back to that. Mm-hmm. Same thing with John D. Filippo. He's he, going to talk about, yeah, like about max protections and, and, and making things work for his guys because they're not going to screw with that because that's Kirk's only hope in a lot of cases. And and Zim knows that in, what, 2016, correct? He yeah. called him soft after that game yes. in Philadelphia. Sure. And, and he basically, I think the platform of that press conference, the starting point was the offensive line played soft. And you do not want that group to be like bleep you. Right. Because if that group says, okay, we're soft. You did it. You called us that. You're going into you're going into waters that you don't want to try and swim in if, if you're a coach. And I think the offensive linemen also probably know some of the shortcomings in pocket presence that have led to their numbers looking really bad. Because now look, I mean, they've gotten beaten at times, especially the New Orleans game. They really but when the other team is up by 17 and they know you've got to throw every play and Cameron Jordan could just rush full speed at you. You're going to create pressures, but I'm sure that they see those numbers get tweeted out and things like that. What pro football focus is saying. And a lot of them would love to come out and say, yeah, I get that. That's because the guy stands in one place in the pocket and doesn't ever move and then blames me when it's a fumble. And that's where a lot of this could easily be diffused by cousins, but he doesn't seem to have the awareness of what everyone else might think when they hear his words. So, and they, he has to know too that everyone is going to hear everything he says. But there just seems to be a wall up there where it's like he's going to be who he's going to be and you're never going to penetrate that. So that's why you have to have Everson Griffin back, which I think is the turning point of the season for this team. If they go on to win 10 games here or more, it's getting him back more, much more than Delvin Cook because of what a leader he is and how he sets the tone for the entire defense. There was a leadership void when he was gone on the defensive side, I thought. Not just playing and not just rushing the passer. And so they have all these other players, though, that are so talented and then also 
sort of carry themselves in that way, that it's almost like Kirk doesn't have to be that guy on this team to still win. Well, he doesn't, but I mean, what what team can you look at and say the quarterback's not the guy, the leader? I think that's the expected thing. Yeah. And to play devil's advocate here, I think he's trying to do it the only way he knows how, which, you know, as you pointed out, there's flaws in it. There's flaws in the leadership style because it didn't work. Otherwise, he would have been the long-term answer in for a lot of things in Washington. But, you know, going back to what you said about, um, you know, with Everson Griffin and that type of leadership, you know, Everson, for 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 all that he said over the years, I mean, he is one of those guys, too, that is quick to cop to. It's a group thing. It's never, you know, pinning blame one place or the other. Um, I mean, I think that that is something that, you know, once, you know, Kirk's 30 years old. I mean, he's been doing, he's been an NFL quarterback for seven years. He's been right. the true outright guy for four years. I don't know how much it's going to change just in terms of, and I don't know if you call that delusional or if there's, if it's arrogance, I don't know what it is. Um, and if there is a true way to define it, but it's, it's something that's been the same pretty much. And he's not going to change like that. That's not going to you, you, I, you have that gene or, or you don't Favre did, but he didn't take blame, but people loved him so much. It didn't matter. Kirk, I don't know about that, but he's not. You've got a better chance of physically trying to fix the fumble problem mm-hmm. than than to say, you know what? If you got up to the podium and did X, Y, Z, it's going to work. I will also say one thing, and I realize that it looks like I'm like the soft one in the room who won't take the hard stance against anything. Getting up on a podium or getting, you know, being interviewed and having to cop to stuff when people are asking you right after a game. I mean, we do it because we have a job to do. You have a job to do as well, but. They're guys who talk themselves in circles where it's like they start out, yeah, that was my fault. Oh, wait, it was this, and it's another thing. And you end up at a completely different answer. Like Kirk's thing on the fumbles last week, I went back and read it, and I was still confused. Well, you should have been. So confused. And I know that we de- we dedicated like 45 minutes to it last Tuesday because it's just, it's, you know... But as a quarterback, I mean, you're expected to have the answers to things, and you're expected to always be right when you're up there. And then when you get something like that, I think it becomes more glaring. So two things on that, that someone like Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, those two guys, they have such a unique and natural sense for how what they say will be perceived. Mm -hmm. So when Adam Thielen is asked about his records, he'll say, you know what? I missed a block in that Jets game. And you might laugh at him, but he really did miss that block. And that could have been a big play and it could have made a difference. Mm -hmm. And so he always sort of knows to deflect to, I actually still need to be better, even though you guys want to praise me. I think that's appreciated in the locker room. Diggs today, I was watching an interview he did with, SI and it was like a video interview. The the host kept trying to get him to say stuff. Are you guys like the best duo in the league? And he was like, I'm not going to answer that. And, and like, yeah. but stuff like that. He didn't talk the Minneapolis Miracle Week, which annoyed all the TV reporters for sure. But you know who it didn't annoy is the guys in the locker room because he made sure to not make that week about himself. Like, if he went out on Wednesday and was just like, oh, yeah, it was the greatest catch. And remember that, I think that you, you might look at it and go, Okay, man. All right. Stop hamming it up. We got a really big game. Instead, he didn't talk at all, which again, annoying to reporters who want to write about it. Of course. But if you're in that locker room. And then the other part with Kirk is if he doesn't win here, if they don't win a playoff game, if he doesn't get back to the NFC Championship, I, I think because of this sort of demeanor and the way that he's talked about the negative parts of his game this year and sort of denied that they exist. It, it doesn't leave him much room for anyone to say, ah, come on, they should have given him a better offensive line. 
You know, it, it doesn't give any, like, when things went wrong with Keenum, I think all of us went, ah, he was just playing above, you know, we, we love the guy, but he's just playing above what he was ever going to play, and this was bound to happen, and uh, too bad. Right. But but with Kirk, I, I don't think he's bought himself any sort of goodwill with anybody in the locker room or outside, so if he loses, it's going to be... <laughs> $84 million for what? Yeah, and then when you're talking about, you know, yes, they should have bought him a better offensive line. They should have brought the pieces in to protect him. And well, Hernandez looked good last night. Oh, God, I knew you were going there. Um, <laughs> but, to, but to what you're saying, though, it's if, you, if you're talking, if you're constantly talking about things, controlling what you can control and putting an emphasis on that word control, where it's I'm doing my job, you do your job, I think that you do get less slack given to you at the end of this whole thing, where it's very easy to say, you know, if you want to pin it all on the offensive line, don't kind of outwardly or you know backwards way, back channel way say it uh, about yeah, like you know controlling the fumbles. If I'm nine and a half, I'm going to keep bringing it up nine and a half yards deep in the pocket. Where as the conversation between your offensive coordinator and other people that are publicly saying it, where it's there's confusion there. Um, I think that your the leash is a little bit shorter. Football! Football! Yeah! Football! Yeah! More football hour after this. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, TCL Broadcast Studios, football hours, Zolgad, Cronin, Collar, Manny Hill. Purple Live comes up uh, with Courtney and Matthew at 6 p.m. Real quick, Judd. Yes, sir. A a tweet coming in. Is Kirk Cousins going to cause a schism in the locker room? That's a little extreme. Well, first of all, any use of schism is hilarious, and thank you. Um, but, Adam Schefter. Well, yeah, let, let's let's explain for those who don't know what what that's from. Well, well, uh, what is that from? It's from the 2016 Green Bay game where they all went rogue. Oh no, no, it goes back to 2009. Oh, actually, yeah. when all Adam Schefter when Schefter reported that Favre's presence had caused a schism because there were some, and I'm not joking, so don't laugh Good too word. loud. Because there were some Vikings who wanted Tavares Jackson to be the team starter and didn't <laughs> want Favre there. And, well, and, to to their point, I mean, he really wasn't as as we've talked about on the show before. He wasn't the long term leader. But, you can't lock him in because he wasn't showing up for training. Nor camp. was Tavares, though. And so, so <laughs> at the NFL meetings, I believe they were in Orlando in March of 2010. Ziggy runs up to Schefter. He sees him and says, "I got your schism here," and runs away. And I'm not kidding you. You were there. You witnessed. I, yes, this. it was hilarious. Did he, did he flip him off or? No, he just was trying to give him crap about the fact. I mean, it's the it's the most Shafter's good. Don't get me wrong I, here. I've got your it's, schism here. here. Yeah, he was tra- he was trying to joke, but listen, that's the most ridiculous report I've ever heard. I what suppose Vikings, that's a joke. What Vikings player? What Vikings player in that locker room? I mean, yeah. I saw Tavares Jackson play for a long time. Right. Would be like Brett Favre. What are you talking about, Brad? We got we got Tavares. That's where schism originated and from. I know this too that players believe in older players longer than they should. Like, because they've seen him do it before. So even if you run somebody out... Now, of course, Favre in 2009 turns out to be freaking unbelievable. Yes. But even though he had struggled the year before with the Jets, 
players would have still believed, like, oh, we're getting Brett Favre, so he could still do it. Absolutely. Like, they don't jump to washed up as fast as we do, so that is uh, not super plausible. But I, I would like to correct an error that I just made. I confused schism for mutiny. Uh, yeah. So that's oh, my fault. I'm sorry. I, was gonna say, I, I never heard of 2016 I need, schism, I need but to mutiny, get a dictionary. Yes. Um, so, it was a misunderstanding, Courtney, and I wish you would understand that like Zim and I do. Sam Ekstrom, uh, Sam Ekstrom our, our, our friend from Zone Coverage, reminds me of a uh, Jared Allen quote that says, I don't know what a schism is. I thought it was an STD. Oh, Jared Allen. Was I remember, Jared Allen. I remember that. Jared was worth a great quote per month. Yeah. Oh, he was a great quote. That, that's a that's a classic one. Yeah, it was uh, it was Rogue is uh, was the one you were looking for in 2016. But now that actually happened though. The schism didn't happen. Correct. The Rogue did happen. It was just miscommunication. Um, but but I think that's right. It was just a, it was just a miscommunication. miscommunication. That's it what was Xavier wrote. Xavier said. Xavier gets nervous. That was my favorite one. Xavier well, in gets public, nervous. yeah. I mean, he can barely talk, right? I and mean, that, despite the fact that he's articulate and really smart, he yes, can barely talk. Yes. He's great to talk to. Anyway, yeah. uh, so with, with Cousins, I think what's interesting to me is not where we've been, but where we're going with him. And so we're pointing to these different examples of you wonder how that one will play. You wonder how this one will play. And right now, they beat the teams they were supposed to beat. The Lions are a trash fire, and you know Arizona fires their coordinator right after. Clearly, the Jets are even worse than we thought they were. The Lions and Jets are, I believe, both going to fire their coaches the Monday after the season. Yeah, I would agree with Patricia that. Patricia can't coach. So, so these are some of the teams that they've built this winning streak around. Yeah. Now, here comes the Bears then Aaron Rodgers, then Tom Brady, then Russell Wilson. So I think what we're going to find out over this final stretch is just where this stands, where his leadership stands, where his control of the locker room is, and how some of these things are going to play because against those teams, there are going to be ups and downs, there are going to be mistakes, there are going to be tough moments, and how they navigate those with Kirk Cousins may determine where they end up this season. Don't. The only thing I would tell Kirk is no matter what you do, never mention, in, unless it's a positive, a lineman again. Don't mention any of them. Don't well, ever he say he Riley. Never actually. Well, don't, but I mean, don't even allude to it. Don't even, you need th- those guys. The thing, the thing, just to r- wrap up the thought on uh, Diggs, the thing that impresses me so much about those two guys is, is this, though. When Thielen went through that, what, three or four game stretch where he was just incredible? And Diggs' catches, but before he he got got hurt, were down. You you guys know as well as me, as people that have covered this sport, ordinarily, if it's Diggs or that position, at some point in time on a Wednesday or Thursday, you would have moseyed on over and been like, yeah, you know, Thielen's playing really well, but they're not throwing you the ball, right? I mean, that's the obvious quote because a receiver is almost always going to be like, yeah, you know, I'm open half the time too, but. To Diggs' credit, nobody did that, and I don't think it was given a thought because you knew that that question with Stefan Diggs, but seriously. No, no, if but it's it, a, if, it did happen. It did oh, it happen. Did? Some bozo, I think, from from a media outlet that will not be named. Oh, that's um, not fun asked him something against after the Jets game about, yeah, they're just shutting you down. And Diggs kind of paused and be like, watch your words there. Like, nice. And so I was actually proud of him for firing back on something like that because you're right. He is kind of taking the bullet here of, hey, I'm getting double teamed. And yeah, a lot of people have asked that question in 10 ways to one about, is Adam Thielen good right now because of what's happening to you and what defenses are doing to you? And he's answered it very similarly across the board because he's not going to take away someone else's success because he knows damn well 
that he's getting doubled and he is the number in he is being viewed as the number one wide receiver and that's why they're going to stick their top shutdown corner on him that that's part of the reason why I mean it's not the entire reason but it is it is a reason and he just won't address it I mean that to me is a good teammate and Thielen had what 22 yards in yeah. the game where Stephon Diggs oh, wasn't yeah. there so he yeah. knows it and yes. everybody knows it and the other teams know it that it's it's not that Thielen is not excellent because he is no of fantastic. course not it's not what anybody's saying but when you only when you don't have a number three or four or multiple multiple running backs who come out of the backfield and catch the ball when it's only Delvin Cook and he's playing 20 snaps, they're going to be able to take care of Adam Thielen in a lot of different ways. And with the fact that you're, you're right, nothing has been said by Stephon Diggs about his catch numbers. Same with last year. I think part of that is the contract. I mean, he, sure. gets, he gets paid in part for what he does for Adam Thielen as well. And everybody knows that, and he's set for life with his money, so he's good and wants to win. But I agree with you, Judd, that it is unusual. And you've seen this from everybody. You've seen this from Julio Jones held out in training camp. Antonio Brown has had a number of these types of things happen. And with these two guys, they're the sort of driving force of the entire offense and of the setting the culture of the locker room, which I I think is really rare for them to be two wide receivers. So Packers win, Bears win, Vikings off. Where do things in in your guys' minds stand as the Vikings come back from the bye to play the Bears on Sunday night? I think they're in great shape. Yeah, they're in great shape, but this next stretch of four games decides the season. There's no way around it. if If you get Bears and Packers, you lose to the Patriots, let's say, for instance, Seattle, you lose. So you're two and two. In, I think you in can survive it. I think you okay. can survive it and get the wild card at two and two because okay. I just don't. I'm not a firm believer that the the rest of the Bears' schedule too. I mean, everybody wants to make the argument who have they played? You know, what elite quarterbacks have they shut down? Because they, you know, they nearly did it to Aaron Rodgers. Well, this is a good test for them. Kirk is a very good quarterback, and mm-hmm. he plays a lot better on the road than he does at home. So if they win this weekend. Do people like myself and others who have been doubting kind of this whole train actually take them seriously? I think so. But if you know, if the Vikings can get out of this stretch at two and two, and then you've got Miami, you've got Detroit, and you've got Chicago again, and if you can get three wins there, so you're I mean, I think you're in pretty good shape. The reality of the schedules is that the Bears and Green Bay, because they were bad last year, have it easier than the Vikings do, and down the stretch. I was looking at this earlier today. They play at least three teams that they should both steamroll, and the Vikings might have one. Depends on what you think of Miami. I don't think Miami's that good, but they'll have Tannehill back, an admirable opponent. Maybe they're 500 at that point. Uh, But what was really good for them over the weekend was just that everyone in the wild card race went down. So, I mean, even, uh, you know, Atlanta, who had made some noise, they lose to Cleveland, right? Carolina drops back a game. Seattle. And and actually, Dallas being Philadelphia, I think, is a really good thing for the Vikings because Philadelphia is a stronger team than Dallas, mm-hmm. at least more of a threat for that wild card spot. But now they're at four and five. So even if the Vikings are not great the rest of the way, even if they're just okay, you could still get in because there just isn't another team that's going for the wild card at this moment. I was going to bring that up just about Philly. I mean, not really as it pertains to the wild card race, but just big picture. Does that win not look as great anymore? Just, oh, it definitely doesn't. Like they haven't beat a team no. over five hundred. The it, Vikings haven't. It that's a that's a very it's glaring huge. point. It's huge in the terms of it's obvi- on the road yes. during that period of time, and it it turn yes. it sparked the turnaround to their season. Absolutely. But 
it really doesn't look good anymore because I don't buy this Dallas team whatsoever. No, it really doesn't look good. I mean, it kind of looks like Philadelphia, what happens to a lot of teams. They go to the Super Bowl and then they fall right back off. It kind of happened to Atlanta last year where they went from this unbelievable team to just okay. And it's probably the same thing. Philadelphia has injuries and they lost Frank Reich, who now I think looks like a genius when you see his offense in Indianapolis play. It's just not a complete team yet, but... You know, losing some of the coaching staff makes a difference there, and Doug Peterson hasn't been as good as he was. So I, I agree that it's it's a like momentum shifting from mentality standpoint, but they also played bad teams right after that, which helped a lot. And as far as strength of win, they do not have a good win yet. TCL Broadcast Studios, we come back, wrap up the football hour after this, and then it's Purple Live with Collar and Cronin at 6 o'clock. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Okay, let's check your traffic here. Uh, 694 eastbound, we've got a crash in New Brighton between Silver Lake Road and uh, Long Lake Road. That's causing a 10-minute delay. And also, we have a crash near Edina on 169 northbound at Valley View Road. And uh, brace yourself, folks. All lanes are blocked. So if you are thinking about going northbound on uh, 169 near Edina, don't do it. All lanes are blocked. Thank you, sir. TCL Broadcast Studios Football Hour wrapping up here. Uh, Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin coming up with Purple Live from 6 to 7. What can we expect on Purple Live tonight? Okay, first of all, yeah. can I just bring this up? Because uh, I know Courtney want to talk about it. Let's just not play any games in Mexico City. None. Just maybe put that at zero. Like, we've canceled. We're we're now gonna be we're now gonna play the game in Los, uh, Angeles. Los Angeles on Monday night. Did you see pictures of the field that they wanted yeah. to play? It's a mess. On? <laughs> and, and there's the thing about this about the entire Estadio Azteca. There's a whole litany of issues there. Let alone the first one that you know if they're playing it incredibly high altitude. Like that's why the Rams were going to go out to Colorado Springs and oh, train sure. there yep. before they went down. Which is to already Mexico. idiotic. I mean, like, if you have to go to Colorado Springs to practice to use the altitude, you yes. just don't do it. Well, and also the locker rooms, the players have to go, I don't know if people know this. They have to go up through the stands to get to their locker rooms. Oh it, it's, it's a hike. No, I had no idea. It's a very long... Besides, the Raiders played there in 2016, so obviously when I was still covering the beat, you kind of know about like the modifications that they had to make. It's a very long way to the locker room, and that's, you know... And, I mean, media accommodations, nobody cares about what the media have to deal with, but they're atrocious. Remember when the... Uh, Judd, do you remember when the Wolves and Spurs game, they were supposed to play a game down in Me- Mexico City, and it got... Oh, yeah, there's a fire. They, in it the was arena. like a fire in the arena, and yep. they had to reschedule that game for later in the in the uh, season, the and of center, course, yeah. Rick Adelman and Greg Popovich, the two coaches at the time, and you can imagine they were not too happy about that experience as well. Um, something out that's hilarious, of course. <laughs> like since uh, uh, the um, arena has been on fire for the Wolves since then, <laughs> well, and, and it was before was actually. Before then, yeah. uh, you guys have opinions on Le'Veon Bell? He's just like. Maybe should have taken a regular contract. Do we call that delusional, giving up $14.5 million? I call it incredibly misguided. It's a That's a bizarre decision. Does I, he I don't, think he's going to make $15 million a well, year next year? And the other problem that, that he's got is, and somebody should have told him this months ago, you play a disposable position, yes. dude. 
You're not you're not quarterback. Where, where is no one's desperate for you? You've been replaced what, now. What information does he have to show that the ceiling on running backs is still as high as what he believes it will be and what he can earn? Well, somebody convinced him of that. His and, agent, and, clearly, yeah. But I mean, but it's it's. I just don't understand a fireable action. There, there's no facts behind Absolutely. that. There is not in today's modern NFL. And they have a good offensive line, and their running back's been great. That's <laughs> like that's the well, worst that's, thing that could have happened. Just been replaced. Yeah, like you just gone. found another running back. See you later. You let $14.5 million sit on the table. All you had to do is show up. There's, what, seven games left? And at that position, too. So you are paid. That is an extremely huge payday for that position. $14.5 million with tag is is ridiculous. And who knows now what's going to happen going into free agency next year. I mean, as we've seen in the draft, you can go find these guys and you can, Absolutely. and they can be immediate impact players. And now you're going to be risking this, that, okay, when I hit free agency, yes, I am fully healthy. I understand that aspect of it, but to leave $14.5 million on the table. Who's giving him the money? I mean, you think about no teams around the league. I mean, even Cleveland, they're like the Lord Kings of cap room, but they just had a running back have a huge breakout day, Nick Chubb. Right, so like they they might have their if running back. If you needed and, one, though, you, you wouldn't pay him. Yeah, you try and find one. You yes. can find him. I I don't understand not just taking the franchise tag money and maybe being happy with your life. Like, that's is, a lot of cash. It is terrible career advice that he took to try and make a statement. That's a stupid statement. And I wonder if we should feel bad for him in a way because of that, because he's not making this decision on his own. Because he's got an agent, I feel no and his agent should say, "Well, no, I don't, I don't either." I don't but I mean, his career is maybe shot here because now he's going to be looked at as a guy who might just not play if you sign him if he just decides on a whim that he doesn't like his contract. All right, thanks, guys. Purple Live is next right here on fifteen hundred ESPN.